Lesson 2 for April 7 through to 13, ready for teaching on April 14. Daniel and the End Time Sabbath afternoon, April 7. Before we start, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you as broken people, but saved through the grace that you provide because of the death of your Son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. And as we come this week to look at one of the stalwarts of the Old Testament, as we look at the story of Daniel and what he says, we pray that our hearts may be open, your Holy Spirit will guide us, and may we love you and Jesus more, we pray in his dear name. Amen. Our memory text this week is Daniel chapter 2 and verses 47. The king answered Daniel and said, Truly your God is the God of gods, the Lord of kings, and a revealer of secrets, since you could reveal this secret. Let's read that again, Daniel 2.17. The king answered Daniel and said, Truly your God is the God of gods, the Lord of kings, and a revealer of secrets, since you could reveal this secret. The Lord had great plans for ancient Israel. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and an holy nation, we read in Exodus 19, verse 6. This holy nation, this kingdom of priests, was to be his witness to the world that Yahweh was the only God, as we read in Isaiah chapter 43, verses 10 and 12. You are my witnesses, says the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me, and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, nor shall there be after me. I have declared and saved, I have proclaimed, and there was no foreign God among you. Therefore you are my witnesses, says the Lord, that I am God. Unfortunately, The nation didn't live up to the holy calling that God had given it. Eventually, its people even went into captivity in Babylon. Interestingly enough, God still was able to use individual Judeans to be his witnesses, despite the disaster of their captivity. In other words, to some degree, God accomplished through Daniel and his three fellow captives what he did not achieve through Israel and Judah. In one sense, these men were examples of what Israel as a nation was to have been and done. Yes, their stories unfold in a time and place far removed from the last days. But we still can find traits and characteristics in these men that can serve as models for us, a people who not only live in the end time, but who are called to be witnesses about God to a world that, like the pagans in the Babylonian court, does not know him. What can we learn from their stories? Sunday, April 8. Faithful in what is least. Luke chapter 16 verse 10 reads, He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. 
and he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Look at the words of Jesus here. It's so easy, isn't it, to compromise, to be unjust in what is least. The problem isn't so much that what is least is important in and of itself. It's not. That's why it is the least. As most of us know, either by personal experience or by examples of others, or both, the problem is that the first compromise leads to another, and then another, and then another, until we become unjust also in much. With this thought in mind, we pick up the story in Daniel chapter 1, the first account of the experiences of these four Judeans in Babylonian captivity. Question. Read Daniel chapter 1. In what ways did the stand that Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah took reflect what ancient Israel was to be to the nations? And we'll also compare that with Deuteronomy 4 verses 6 to 8 and Zechariah 8.23. Daniel chapter 1 beginning at verse 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, with some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God, and he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. Then the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the noble young men, in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans." And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank, and three years of training for them, so that at the end of that time they might serve before the king. Now from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them the chief of the eunuchs gave names. He gave Daniel the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah Shadrach, to Mishael Meshach, and to Azariah Abednego. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now God had brought Daniel into the favour and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs, and the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king, who has appointed your food and drink. For why should he see your faces looking worse than the young men who are your age? Then you would endanger my head before the king. So Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please test your servants for ten days, and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance be examined before you, and the appearance of the young men who eat the portion of the king's delicacies. And, as you see fit, so deal with your servants." So he consented with them in this matter, and tested them ten days. 
and at the end of the ten days their features appeared better and fatter in flesh than all the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies. Thus the steward took away their portion of delicacies and the wine that they were to drink, and gave them vegetables. As for these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Now, at the end of the days, when the king had said that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. Then the king interviewed them, and among them all, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they served before the king. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers who were in all his realm. Thus Daniel continued until the first year of King Cyrus. And to follow that up, we read Deuteronomy 4, verses 6 to 8. Therefore be careful to observe them, for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who will hear all these statutes, and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has God so near to it, as the Lord our God is to us, for whatever reason we may call upon him? And what great nation is there that has such statutes and righteous judgments as are in all this law which I set before you this day? And Zechariah 8.23 Thus says the Lord of hosts, In those days ten men from every language of the nations shall grasp the sleeves of a Jewish man, saying, Let us go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. Although the text directly does not link what they ate to their being ten times better in wisdom and understanding than all the others, as it says in verse 20, the link is clearly there. The chapter also says that God gave them this knowledge and wisdom. That is, the Lord was able to work with them because of their faithfulness to him in refusing to eat the unclean food of Babylon. They obeyed and God blessed their obedience. Would God not have done something just like this for ancient Israel as a whole, had it adhered to the teaching of the Bible as diligently and faithfully as these four young men did? Of course. And will he not also do that for us today, in the last days, if we are faithful? So to finish today, since we have been given so much light and truth as a church, we need to ask ourselves, have we been faithful and obedient to what we've been given? At the same time, how can each one of us individually take positions that will enable us to be powerful witnesses for God? Monday, April 9. The Humility of Daniel All over the world, Daniel too has helped untold numbers of people come to believe in the God of the Bible. It provides powerful, rational evidence not only for the existence of God, but for his foreknowledge. 
Indeed, it is the revelation that the chapter provides of God's foreknowledge that presents evidence for God's existence. Question. Read Daniel chapter 2. How does the chapter provide such convincing evidence for the reality of God? Look too at Europe today as depicted in the book in chapter 2 verses 40 to 43. How could a man who lived about 2600 years ago have described so accurately the situation there other than through divine revelation? Daniel chapter 2 beginning at verse 1. Now, in the second year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams, and his spirit was so troubled that his sleep left him. Then the king gave the command to call the magicians, the astrologers, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans to tell the king his dreams. So they came and stood before the king. And the king said to them, I have had a dream, and my spirit is anxious to know the dream. Then the Chaldeans spoke to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever, tell your servants the dream, and we will give the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, My decision is firm. If you do not make known the dream to me, and its interpretation, you shall be cut in pieces, and your houses shall be made an ash heap. However, if you tell the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts, rewards, and great honour. Therefore, tell me the dream and its interpretation. They answered again and said, Let the king tell his servants the dream, and we will give its interpretation. The king answered and said, I know for certain that you would gain time, because you see that my decision is firm. If you do not make known the dream to me, there is only one decree for you. For you have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the time has changed. Therefore, tell me the dream, and I shall know that you can give me its interpretation. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, There is not a man on earth who can tell the king's matter. Therefore no king, lord, or ruler has ever asked such things of any magician, astrologer, or Chaldean. It is a difficult thing that the king requests, and there is no other who can tell it to the king except the gods, whose dwelling is not with flesh. For this reason the king was angry and very furious, and gave the command to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree went out. And they began killing the wise men, and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Then, with counsel and wisdom, Daniel answered Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He answered and said to Arioch, the king's captain, Why is the decree from the king so urgent? Then Arioch made the decision known to Daniel. So Daniel went in and asked the king to give him time, that he might tell the king the interpretation. Then Daniel went to his house and made the decision known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, that they might seek mercies from the God of heaven concerning this secret, so that Daniel and his companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. So Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God for ever and ever. 
for wisdom and might are his. And he changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness and light dwells with him. I thank you and praise you, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and might. You have now made known to me what we asked of you, for you have made known to us the king's demand. Therefore Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus to him, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Take me before the king, and I will tell the king the interpretation. Then Arioch quickly brought Daniel before the king and said thus to him, I have found a man of the captives of Judah who will make known to the king the interpretation. The king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, Are you able to make known to me the dream which I have seen and its interpretation? Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king has demanded, the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians and the soothsayers cannot declare to the king, but... There is a God in heaven who reveals secrets, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head upon your bed were these. As for you, O king, thoughts came to your mind while on your bed about what would come to pass after this. And he who reveals secrets has made known to you what will be. But as for me, this secret has not been revealed to me, because I have more wisdom than anyone else living. But for our sakes, who make known the interpretation to the king, and that you may know the thoughts of your heart. You, O king, were watching, and behold, a great image. This great image, whose splendour was excellent, stood before you, and its form was awesome. This image's head was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. You watched while a stone was cut out without hands, which struck the image on its feet of iron and clay, and broke them in pieces. Then the iron and clay, the bronze, the silver and the gold were crushed together and became like chaff from the summer threshing floors. The wind carried them away so that no trace of them was found and the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This is the dream. Now we will tell the interpretation of it before the king. You, O king, are a king of kings, for the God of heaven has given you a kingdom, power, strength, and glory, and wherever the children of men dwell, or the beasts of the field and the birds of the heaven, he has given them into your hand, he has made you ruler over them all. You are this head of gold. But after you shall arise another kingdom inferior to yours, then another, a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over all the earth, and the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron, inasmuch as iron breaks in pieces and shatters everything. And like iron that crushes, that kingdom will break in pieces and crush all the others. Whereas you saw the feet and toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, the kingdom shall be divided." Yet the strength of the iron shall be in it, just as you saw the iron mixed with ceramic clay. 
and as the toes of the feet were partly of iron and partly of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly fragile. As you saw iron mixed with ceramic clay, they will mingle with the seed of men, but they will not adhere to one another, just as iron does not mix with clay. And in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Inasmuch as you saw that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God has made known to the king what will come to pass after this. The dream is certain, and its interpretation is sure. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face, prostrate before Daniel, and commanded that they should present an offering and incense to him. The king answered Daniel and said, Truly your God is the God of gods, the Lord of kings, and a revealer of secrets, since you could reveal this secret. Then the king promoted Daniel and gave him many great gifts, and he made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon, and chief administrator over all the wise men of Babylon. Also, Daniel petitioned the king, and he set Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel sat in the gate of the king. Daniel, openly and unashamedly, had given all the credit to God for what had been revealed to him. How easily he could have attributed his ability to know and interpret the king's dream to his own wisdom and understanding. But Daniel knew better than that. The prayers that he and the others prayed in verses 17 to 23 showed their knowledge of their utter dependence upon God. They knew that without him they would have died with the rest of the wise men. Later, Daniel reminded the king that none of his professional wise men, enchanters or magicians, proved able to tell the king his dream. By contrast, the God in heaven can reveal mysteries because he is the only true God. Thus, in his humility and in his dependence upon God, Daniel was able to be a powerful witness. If Daniel, back then, showed humility, how much more should we reveal our own humility today? After all, we have a revelation of the plan of salvation that Daniel didn't. And, if anything should keep us humble, it should be the knowledge of what Jesus did at the cross. And so to finish today, what should the cross teach us about humility? What does it say to us, not only about our own sinfulness, but also about our utter dependence upon God for salvation? Think about where you would be without the cross. What then do you have to boast about other than the cross, as it says in Galatians 6.14, But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world.
Tuesday, April 10, The Golden Image Bible students have long noticed the link between Daniel 3, the story of the three Hebrews on the plain of Jura, and Revelation 13, a depiction of the persecution that God's people have faced in the past and will face in the last days. Question. Compare Daniel chapter 3 verses 1 through to 6 and Revelation 13 verses 11 to 15. What are the parallels between these two passages? Daniel 3, 1 to 6. Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold, whose height was 60 cubits and its width 6 cubits. He set it up in the plain of Jura in the province of Babylon. And King Nebuchadnezzar sent word to gather together the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counsellors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces, to come to the dedication of the image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So, the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the councillors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces gathered together for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery, in symphony with all kinds of music, you shall fall down and worship the gold image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace." And Revelation 13, verses 11 to 15. Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and spoke like a dragon. And he exercised all the authority of the first beast in his presence, and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. He performs great signs, so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men, and he deceives those who dwell on the earth by these signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. In both cases, the issue of worship is central. But both talk about a worship that is forced. That is, the political powers in control demand their worship that is due to the Lord alone. Question. Read Daniel chapter 3, verses 13 to 18. What can we learn from the story that should help us understand not only what we will face in the last days, but also how we should face what is coming? Daniel 3, beginning at verse 13. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and fury, gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? Now, 
If you are ready at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre and psaltery, in sympathy, in symphony with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made, good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. As the most powerful leader on earth, Nebuchadnezzar mocked these men and their God, saying, Who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? In verse 15. He was soon to find out for himself just who that God was. For later he declared in verse 28, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, who hath sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him, and have changed the king's word, and yielded their bodies, that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. After seeing such a miracle as that, there is no question that the king was convinced there was something special about the god whom these men served. Suppose, though, that these young men had not been delivered from the flames. This outcome is one the men realised was a distinct possibility in verse 18. Why would they still have done the right thing in not obeying the king's command, even if it meant being burned alive? This story presents a powerful testimony to the men's faith and their willingness to stand for what they believed, regardless of the consequences. And so to finish today, when the issue of worship arises in the last days, how can we be sure that we will stand as faithfully as these four men did? If we are not faithful now in what is least, what makes us think we will be faithful in something as big as the final crisis? Wednesday, April 11. Conversion of the Gentiles. Daniel chapter 3 ends with Nebuchadnezzar acknowledging the existence and power of the true God. But knowledge of God and of his power isn't the same as having the born-again experience that Jesus said was crucial for salvation, as we read in John 3, 7. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Indeed, the man depicted in Daniel 4.30 was anything but a converted soul. Daniel 4.30 reads, The king spoke, saying, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for a dwelling, a royal dwelling, by my mighty power and for the honour of my majesty? Question. Read Daniel chapter 4 and verse 30 again. What was this man's problem? 
also look at John 15 verse 5, Acts 17:28, and Daniel 5:23. First of all, Daniel 4:30. The king spoke, saying, "Is not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty?" John 15:5 reads. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. And Acts 17, verse 28. For in him we live and move and have our being, as also some of your own poets have said. For we are also his offspring. And Daniel 5, 23. And you have lifted yourself up against the Lord of heaven. They have brought the vessels of his house before you, and you and your lords, your wives and your concubines, have drunk wine from them. And you have praised the gods of silver and gold, bronze and iron, wood and stone, which do not see, or hear, or know. And the God who holds your breath in his hand, and owns all your ways, you have not glorified. By the time that the chapter is done, though, Nebuchadnezzar learns, even if it is the hard way, that all true power exists in God, and without God, he is nothing at all. As Ellen White writes in Prophets and Kings, page 521, the once proud monarch had become a humble child of God, the tyrannical, overbearing ruler, a wise and compassionate king. He who had defied and blasphemed the God of heaven now acknowledged the power of the Most High and earnestly sought to promote the fear of Jehovah and the happiness of his subjects. Under the rebuke of him who is King of Kings and Lord of Lords, Nebuchadnezzar had learned at last the lesson which all rulers need to learn, that true greatness consists in true goodness. He acknowledged Jehovah as the living God, saying, I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honour the King of heaven, all whose works are truth and his ways judgment, and those that walk in pride he is able to abase. End of quote. Question. Read Daniel chapter 4 verse 35. What truths about God did Nebuchadnezzar express here as well? Reading Daniel 4, verse 35, All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can restrain his hand or say to him, What have you done? Daniel chapter 4 ends with a Gentile acknowledging the authority, dominion and power of the Hebrew God. In a sense, this scene is a precursor to what happened in the early church when, through the witness of Jews and through the power of God, Gentiles learned the truth about the Lord and began to proclaim that truth to the world. And so to finish today, read John chapter 3 and verse 7. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Although we think of last day events in terms of the death decree, worship and persecution, what does Jesus say here that, above and beyond everything else, prepares people for the end of time?
Thursday, April 12. The Faithfulness of Daniel Question. Read Daniel chapter 6 and then answer the following questions. What does Daniel 6, 4 and 5 reveal about the character of Daniel? What parallels can we find in this chapter that link to the final events as depicted in the book of Revelation? Put yourself in the place of Daniel in this situation. Why do you think Daniel continued to pray as he always did, even though he necessarily didn't have to do so? And what did King Darius say, even before Daniel was thrown into the lion's den, that showed he knew something about the power of Daniel's God? Let's start with Daniel chapter 6 and verse 1. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom, and over these three governors, of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account to them, so that the king would suffer no loss. Then this Daniel distinguished himself among the governors and satraps, because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm." So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no fault or charge, because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. Then these men said, We shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. So... These governors and satraps thronged before the king and said thus to him, King Darius, live forever. All the governors of the kingdom, the administrators and the satraps, the counsellors and advisers, have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for thirty days, except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions." Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing, so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. Therefore, King Darius signed the written decree. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home, and in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day, and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God, and they went before the king and spoke concerning the king's decree. Have you not signed a decree that every man who petitions any god or man within thirty days, except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing is true according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. So they answered and said unto the king, That Daniel, who is one of the captives from Judah, does not show due regard for you, O king, or for the decree that you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. And the king, when he heard these words, was greatly displeased with himself and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him, and he laboured till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Then these men approached the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and Persians that no decree or statute which the king establishes may be changed. So the king gave the command, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, 
Your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. Then a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signets of his lords, that the purpose concerning Daniel might not be changed. Now the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting, and no musicians were brought before him. Also his sleep went from him. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth, so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. Now the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury whatever was found on him because he believed in his God. And the king gave the command and they brought those men who accused Daniel and they cast them into the den of lions. Them their children and their wives, and the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces before they ever came to the bottom of the den. Then King Darius wrote, To all peoples, nations and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, and steadfast forever. His kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall endure to the end. He delivers and rescues, and he works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. Who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions? So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. And so there are questions that come with this. What does Daniel, chapter 6, verses 4 and 5, reveal about the character of Daniel? What lessons can we take from these verses about how we should be seen? Verses 4 and 5, So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault, because he was faithful nor was there any error or fault found in him. Then these men said, We shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. And the second question, What parallels can we find in this chapter that link it to final events as depicted in the book of Revelation? Revelation chapter 13 verse 4 so they worshipped the dragon who gave authority to the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast who is able to make war with him? And verse 8, All who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. And verses 11 through to 17. Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and spoke like a dragon. 
and he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence, and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. He performs great signs, so that he makes, even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men, and he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. And question three. Put yourself in the place of Daniel in this situation. What rationale or argument could he have used in order not to pray? That is, how could he have justified not doing what he did, and thus spared himself the ordeal of getting thrown into the lion's den? And question four. Why do you think Daniel continued to pray as he always did, even though... He necessarily didn't have to do so. And question 5. What did King Darius say in Daniel 6.16, even before Daniel was thrown into the lion's den, that showed he knew something about the power of Daniel's God? Daniel 6.16. So the king gave the command, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, Your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. What, in his words, showed the witness of Daniel himself to the king concerning the God whom Daniel worshipped and served? Friday, April 13. From the book Prophets and Kings, page 547 and 548, we read, As we near the close of this world's history, the prophecies recorded by Daniel demand our special attention, as they relate to the very time in which we are living. With them should be linked the teachings of the last book of the New Testament scriptures. Satan has led many to believe that the prophetic portions of the writings of Daniel and of John, the Revelator, cannot be understood. But the promise is plain that special blessing will accompany the study of these prophecies. The wise shall understand, it says in Daniel 12.10, was spoken of the visions of Daniel that were to be unsealed in the latter days, and of the revelation that Christ gave to his servant John for the guidance of God's people all through the centuries. The promise is, Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein. Revelation 1 verse 3. End of quote. Although we tend to look at the book of Daniel in the context of the rise and fall of nations, 
that judgment, as described in Daniel 7.22 and 26 and chapter 8 verse 14, and the final deliverance of God's people in the time of trouble in Daniel 12.1, we saw this week that the book of Daniel also can give us examples of what it means for us individually to be prepared for trials and persecution whenever they come. In this sense, these stories present us with crucially important messages in the last days. After all, however helpful it may be to know about the mark of the beast and the time of trouble and the upcoming persecution, if we haven't had the kind of experience with God that we need, all this knowledge will only condemn us. More than anything else, we need the born-again experience that Daniel and the others, including Nebuchadnezzar, had. And that brings us to our three discussion questions for this week. 1. Read Daniel's prayer in chapter 9, verses 3 to 19. How does this prayer show that Daniel understood grace and that God loves and redeems us out of his own graciousness as opposed to any merit or goodness on our own part? Why is this so important a truth not just to understand, but to experience? Daniel chapter 9, beginning at verse 3. Then I set my face toward the Lord God to make request by prayer and supplications with fasting, sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession and said, O Lord, great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant, and mercy with those who love him, and with those who keep his commandments, we have sinned and committed iniquity. We have done wickedly and rebelled, even by departing from your precepts and your judgments. Neither have we heeded your servants the prophets, who spoke in your name, to your kings and princes, to our fathers, and all the people of the land. O Lord, righteousness belongs to you, but to us shame of face, as it is this day to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all Israel, those near and those far off in all the countries to whom you have driven them, because of the unfaithfulness which they have committed against you. O Lord, to us belongs shame of face, to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, because we have sinned against you. To the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness, though we have rebelled against him. We have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his laws, which he set before us by his servants the prophets. Yes, all Israel has transgressed your law, and has departed so as not to obey your voice. Therefore the curse and the oath written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out on us, because we have sinned against him. And he has confirmed his words which he spoke against us and against our judges who judged us, by bringing upon us a great disaster. For under the whole heaven such has never been done as what has been done to Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come upon us, yet we have not made our prayer before the Lord our God, that we might turn from our iniquities and understand your truth. Therefore the Lord has kept the disaster in mind and brought it upon us, for the Lord our God is righteous in all the works which he does, though we have not obeyed his voice. And now, O Lord our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt, with a mighty hand, and made yourself a name as it is this day. We have sinned, we have done wickedly. 
O Lord, according to all your righteousness, I pray, let your anger and your fury be turned away from your city Jerusalem, your holy mountain, because of our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people are a reproach to all of those around us. Now, therefore, our God, hear the prayer of your servant and his supplications, and for the Lord's sake, cause your face to shine on your sanctuary, which is desolate. O my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations and the city which is called by your name. For we do not present our supplications before you because of our righteous deeds, but because of your great mercies. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen and act. Do not delay for your own sake, my God, for your city and your people are called by your name. Question 2. In class, discuss the challenges that the three Hebrews in Daniel chapter 3 and Daniel in the lion's den in uh, Daniel chapter 6 faced in regard to standing up when their religious practices were threatened by political authorities. What similarities do you find in the two accounts? And what differences? And what can we learn from both accounts about how we can be powerful witnesses by being faithful? And question three. What does it mean to be born again? Why would Jesus say that we must be born again in John 3 verse 7? Inside Story Our mission story this week is titled Hawaiian Wedding Part 2 and it's by Benji Leach. The bride's father escorted his daughter, now smiling, to the front of the crowd. The groom played a guitar and sang the Hawaiian wedding song. The Lord gave me a few things to say and I pronounced the couple husband and wife. Afterward, the groom's mother said something to me that still sends chills up and down my spine. I don't think this was an accident, she said. I think this was meant to happen. Look at your shirt. I looked down at my clothing. I was wearing jeans, tennis shoes and a powder blue shirt. Stitched over the shirt's pocket was the word Hawaii and a colourful rainbow. I had brought the shirt while vacationing with my wife in Hawaii several years earlier. When they put the lay around my neck, it was as if my participation in the wedding had been meant to happen. We gave the newlyweds a wedding gift, a copy of Steps to Christ. The couple had never heard of Seventh-day Adventists. If the story had ended there, I would have been happy. But it didn't. Two years later... I was living in Texas and received an early Sabbath morning phone call from a veteran literature evangelist in Colorado. Do you remember that couple you married in Rocky Mountain National Park? He said. The couple had read Steps to Christ and reached out to the Adventist church for more information. So we sent them more literature, he said. Then they wanted Bible studies, and I've been studying the Bible with them for the last six months. 
you will be happy to know that today they are being baptised into the Greeley Seventh-day Adventist Church. Two more years passed. Campion Academy invited me to return to give a week of prayer. As I stood up to give the Sabbath sermon, I saw the literature evangelist walk in with the married couple and their toddler. After the church service, they told me the rest of the story. After being baptised, the couple had invited their friends to evangelistic meetings in the Greeley Church, and three of them had been baptised. In addition, the groom's mother had been baptised and was working at an Adventist hospital in Hawaii. I hadn't wanted to stop that day to argue with the people in white robes, but the Lord was able to use a few academy students and a guy wearing a Hawaiian shirt to witness. And the author, Benji Leach, is a volunteer home health chaplain in Fort Worth, Texas. And as we finish this week's lesson, my wife and I expect, in a week's time, on the Sabbath, to be visiting the Vienna English-speaking church in Austria. We do this as we travel because we just love to meet with God's people on His special day. Won't be speaking, but if you've got friends who are there, tell them to look out for us. And God bless you. May this be a great Sabbath. Your reader for this week's Adult Sabbath School Bible Study Guide has been Dr. Percy Harold. It has been produced in the studios of Christian Services for the Blind, distributed under the auspices of the Sabbath School Department by HopeChannel.com. <laughs>